Hey, I am officially announcing the 6th Annual Shepherd's Crook Intensive in Eminence, Missouri, May 16th through the 18th, and we would love to have you there. This year, A.D. Robles is going to be the speaker, along with Matt Reynolds and myself, and we're going to be spending three days, two nights, just having a great time here and really good teaching, but also having a really great time just doing some cool stuff. We're going to have a strongman competition, we're going to have an arm wrestling competition, and we're going to canoe about 50 miles on two of the most amazing rivers in the Midwest. We would love to have you come. If you're looking for a good father-son trip, this is the trip for you. If you're just looking for a really good men's trip, this is the trip for you. would love for you to register today. Go to theshepherdscrook.co or just reach out to me and I can make sure you're on the list. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This ministry exists to provide coaching, resources, and events for pastors and church members. My name is Jared Sparks. Join me as I talk pastoral ministry, applied theology like manhood and womanhood, political theology, and cultural analysis with a little bit of hunting and fishing thrown in. I'm a husband, a father, and a pastor, and I'm here to remind you of the chief pastor and our King, Jesus. Hey guys, welcome back to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. Hope you're all doing well today. We are back with a great conversation. Really looking forward to catching up with my buddy Adam Ray and catch up on what's going on in his life and his ministry world and hunting world and a little bit of family world as well. We'll catch up with him if you are new to the show. We got to talk to him about, I don't know, a year ago at this point. But first, before we introduce him again, I want to remind you of a few things. If you want to come to the Shepherd's Crook Intensive, we are really ramping that up. We're really excited about this year in Jack's Forks, uh, Jack Fork River in Eminence, Missouri. We have A.D. Robles coming to be the speaker, and also Matt Reynolds is going to be there to do a breakout, and it's just going to be a great time. So if you want to spend a couple days on the river and be challenged, we're going to have an actual strongman competition, and that's going to be neat, lifting Atlas stones, and we're going to have an official arm wrestling table for those that want to rip their arm and their shoulder up and go get surgery. So it's going to be a great time, and would love for you to be a part of that. Reach out to me. We're going to be talking about fatherhood. We're going to be talking about life in Christ and being you know physically challenged along the way as well. There's a great camaraderie about this trip. Would love for you to come. Shepherd's Creek Intensive, reach out to me. Would love you to be there. Also, Sons and Slaves Podcast, we're raising sons into men. I mean, my boys are doing a great, uh, well, I'm thinking they're doing a great thing with this show. They're my co-host, and they're, I mean, just hitting the ball out of the park with being co-host with me. It's been so much fun having these really just natural conversations about boyhood and, and lessons about life. And as they're growing up, it's just been a great time seeing Ransom is now nine and, and Valor is now six. And uh, we want to encourage you to check that out if you haven't checked that out yet. And then also Fruitful and Fearless that you know about with Jordan and the ladies that she talks to. Okay. We're talking to Adam Ray today. Adam, how's it going, brother? It's going well, my friend. Good deal. Well, let's pray and then let's have some fun catching up. Sounds good. Father, we thank you for this time. I thank you for all you're doing in our life. Thank you for Adam, for what's going on with hunting the harvest and uh, just with his transitions in life. I'm excited to hear about with new ministry and all of that. And even with Yukon River Knives, just thank you for the blessing that's on his life and his family. And it's just fun peeking in on the internet to see what's going on with them. And it just seems like there are just a lot of great things going on. So just bless this conversation. I trust you're going to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, brother. I'm excited to talk to you. So bring me up to speed. You just said you had a ministry transition. So tell everybody about that. And uh, I'm eager to hear. Yeah. So about uh, back in June, 
Um, I'll kind of even start a little bit before that. We, uh, my wife and I, you know, I've been in student ministry of some, in some aspect for 24 years and begin to uh, just not really age specific, but just more of a heart transition from uh, being plugged into that space and knowing God was leading us elsewhere. And so uh, we started praying on that we would, well, we decided that we would pray from January to June um, and just ask God for clarity if he wanted us to stay where we were at, stay plugged in that student ministry slot, or uh, if he would give us direction. And I was actually at a sports camp coaching archery and uh, the speakers for that camp are the pastors of the church that I'm now the executive pastor at. Very cool. And uh, we just hit it off. We had a phenomenal time. And then the last day of that camp, um, John Romilia, the lead pastor here at the tab, he uh, was like, hey, have you ever considered being an XP? We think you'd be phenomenal in that role in our spot and and at our church. So um, the interesting part of that is that was the last day of June. So oh, wow. um, it's just that uh, prayer piece. And um, so we prayed about it a lot through the fall, just talking consistently about what that would look like, what uh, vision I would have for the leadership position here and direction. And, and uh, it um, ended up being just uh, the right fit as uh, things came into December and uh, contract stuff was offered. And then we um, began our time here was January 15th. Oh, wow. So okay. uh, it's been a, a great few weeks here, just getting to know people and starting to put some things into place, but um, definitely a different role. Mm-hmm. Um, right. First time in 20 uh, some years that I haven't been prepping for teaching uh, kids in junior high and senior high yeah, and, it's different. and all the things. So totally, uh, totally different um, uh, environment, but mm-hmm. uh, we're loving it. Awesome. Now, how far, like proximity wise, how far was from the place you were to the place you are now? About uh, 35 minutes. Okay. So it didn't require a move or did it require a move? No. Yeah, no. not require a move. We actually are uh, about 20 minutes closer to this church where we live. Oh, okay. So it was a, a blessing all the way around. Now, I was trying to figure it out, but it seemed like the, the previous church you were part of was a pretty large congregation. Is that the case with yeah. this one as well? Yeah, there are uh, uh, two campuses and just opening a third campus uh, February 5th, or February 18th, about... Uh, 1200 in the campus here and okay. then uh, Manistee campus is uh, 340, 350, somewhere in there. Okay. Um, anticipate the Cadillac campus growing pretty rapidly as well. Just filling some niches there that are, are not being met with uh, gospel preaching churches. So, okay. Gotcha. Now, are you, what, what was it about, about you? Are you the X's and O's guy, the guy that is administration, you know, you're the admin guy, administrationally gifted that occasionally wants to preach or are you more the preacher that's just good with with admin how is it that they thought you know adam would be a good good guy for this yeah i would say the um it's an interesting component because the admin piece of it is something that i can i have a vision for like i see the areas that needed to be connected and how it will benefit the you know the way that we care for people especially in a larger congregation um, yet, uh, I hate the nitty gritty of sitting down and knocking out all the admin responsibilities. Oh, yeah. So as we were even contemplating this move, um, they're like, well, we've got a guy that will be that that's a gift of his and he'll be your, your main 
right-hand man. And uh, it's been just a blessing already in these three weeks. Um, mm. As I'm communicating where I think we should go with something, he's already in the weeds of rocking out the resources to be able to put it together. And so it's been fun to uh, see God just kind of um, nitpick a, a perfect space for us. And then I'll yeah. be um, preaching frequently on the schedule as well. Um, okay. My, I would say like, you know, if we talked about specific giftings, it's, I love people and I love being around people and I love, uh, walking through life with people, um, men specifically. And that, uh, uh, just that draw to this place, uh, Buckley is like a, uh, more of a farming community and, okay. uh, it's a, it's a one-stop light town. And so to have a church, um, blown up to the size that this one is, is just a miracle in this space, mm -hmm. but a lot of outdoorsmen, outdoors women, uh, a lot of uh, people just uh, grinding through life. And uh, it's been fun to begin building some relationships there. Nice. Mitch Rampala at the church yet? He's not yet. Not oh, yet. He's down the road. So yeah, he, he's out. he's still kicking up there, isn't he? He's still living in he it. He is, yeah. yeah. Okay, he's got to be old now. He's uh, mid-70s. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so it, it burned up in a fire didn't it? The, uh, that's, the that's Rampology. The rumor, yes. That's, that's the, that's the rumor. Okay. Yeah. So I know we talked a little bit about that last time. So yep. if you're interested in that, go back to the last episode that we were with where we were talking here. Now it's hunting the harvest, right? Did I get that right? Yeah, you nailed it. Okay. How's the ministry going? How's that side of things? Uh, it is uh, going phenomenal. So um, we, uh, at the church that I was at previously, um, there just was not a lot of extra space for that to see any real growth. Uh, so we did some camps and a lot of wild game dinners, um, some online stuff, but nothing to the extent that, you know, the dream has been. And uh, this last uh, year in November, I was in Illinois, had an opportunity to um, spend a week with a guy from Traverse City that was actually in my church. Neither of us knew that we were going to be on that hunt together in Illinois. We both we're, just showed we're up. We're at in Illinois. We were in, uh, oh, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, it would be, well, I should, I should uh, nail this down. It might be near you. We yeah. were, let me think of a town that we were close to. Um, it would be Southwest corner of Illinois. You were in County. Alexander County, kind of close to Cape Girardeau. Um, Carbondale. Hamilton County, White County. Oh, yeah. Hamilton, White County. Yeah. That's okay. So that, that's a little bit, uh, trying to think it's not far from us that's 45 minutes from us or so okay so cool. you probably took 57 right down from chicago 57 all the way down through the middle of the state yep. and so yeah that's that's cool we're good deer down here i mean not probably not as big as up in michigan but no better better down in illinois than up here so oh wow okay yeah we saw some uh, monsters down there but nice Heck um, yeah but we were sitting in this little country church sunday morning getting ready for the hunt for the week. And uh, a couple of us were just doing different things in the service. And we hosted a archery camp with kicking bear archery after the main service. And so a lot of people from community there and everything. And I'm just sitting in a pew and the older gentleman's up there with his banjo leading the service. And um, this guy comes and sits down next to me. And I'm, I, you know, I can feel him, his presence there, but I was trying not to be awkward and just give him a big look. And then all of a sudden he just elbows me and I look over and it's a, it's a guy in my church. Okay. So neither of us knew that we were going to be there, but we ended up getting the opportunity to just uh, spend the week together. We hunted the same piece of property together. And um, through that time frame, we just started, I started sharing about hunting the harvest, different dreams that we had. And uh, God is uh, utilizing him uh, massively in that space to help some of that stuff come to fruition. So 
Um, we're uh, doing our first Hunt and Harvest hosted hunt. Uh, it's a snow goose hunt in Arkansas coming up February 20th through the 22nd. Um, right. And the dream of those is to uh, take solid Christian men um, and then have them have the capability of inviting somebody with them that does, doesn't know the gospel mm-hmm. and just bring them into our, our uh, kind of inner circle, hunt together, share, challenge each other, and uh, just give space for some of those spiritual conversations that are, are difficult sometimes outside of that con- uh, you know context, or obviously they're not uh, breaking down the doors of our church either to get in. So, right. um, so we'll be uh, trying to host six to 10 of those a year. Uh, right. different hunts, different types of fishing trips. And, um, and then the uh, video social media presence is just going to ramp up to uh, a different space where we can get the podcasting piece in there and that, those elements as well. So, okay. Very cool. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is we've got a mutual friend, Jeremy Morris. I was talking to him behind the scenes. He said that he's kind of transitioned in the work of Yukon river knives. And a lot of that work that he was doing has gone to you. And we've, I really appreciate Ron Stepp. I've not, not actually got to talk with him, but everything that Jeremy was doing, I've got a couple of Yukon River Knives and I've, I've tried to point people in that direction. And really, yeah. uh, in fact, we should talk about running another ad uh, just because I'd, I'd like to keep promoting you guys, but yeah. bring us up to speed then. So what's your new role with Yukon River Knives and what's uh, going on with that? Yeah. So um, Jeremy's space was uh, kind of co-owner um space and we're we've stepped right into that uh role um we're building out the um uh you know just getting all the online presence kind of updated and the connection pieces there getting the um the ability for somebody to order a knife and do it with simplicity Mm -hmm. um some of the interesting pieces behind the scenes that people don't recognize is that when you're selling a knife or uh, trying to sell a knife a lot of the normal uh, functions like square and those different things that you would utilize to to um, get the payment for a knife they consider that a weapon and so Mm -hmm. they you know you're not allowed to use some of those uh sources or at least you have to be a little bit more covert in uh of what you're selling, you know, sporting goods is what we're selling. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're working on some of those pieces, getting social media presence updated. Um, we're also, uh, we've got a couple of local um, brick and mortar stores that are going to start carrying the knives. Oh, great. Um, and they're uh, excited about the mission of, of Yukon River Knives and happy to help in that space as well. So um, we're uh, boots on the ground right now, just meeting people, talking to them about the knife, communicating and uh, the big shift presence wise to having merchandise and all those different things as well with some new logo work will be in the middle of March. Um, we're looking forward to uh, launching all of that. We're, we have uh, Ron and um, Ron Step, and then the designer Owen Baker are coming up here to Michigan to the awesome. White River Knives where they're made. And we'll spend some time with uh, those guys there in Fremont, Michigan. Uh, and just kind of talk through vision and, and direction and uh, share some ideas and we'll go from there. So what happens if the missionary uh, Roach leaves the Yukon region is your commitment as a company co- to continue to invest in those areas in that region up there in the Yukon? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I don't even know the Roach family yet. Um, I'll meet them in uh, late May. Um, I've uh, we've had some social media interactions, you know, um, but, uh, more, you know, obviously their family is near and dear to Ron's heart and Jeremy's grown to love that family dearly yeah. as well. 
um, one really interesting connection. Uh, so, and I didn't even know this till last week. I called Ron specifically when I figured it out. Um, Daniel Baker, um, that is Owen Baker's son and the knife designer. And he is also married to, or Daniel Baker's sister is married to uh, the, uh, John Roach, Josh Roach. Oh, wow. So wow. But Daniel Baker and I go to, went to school together back in the day. Man, that's cool. Um, so a cool, uh, cool piece there. As yeah, well. absolutely. So I've seen some of the logo work that you've, you're working on. Great stuff. Mm -hmm. Really excited about that. And as soon as you guys get hats, I'm going to be ordering and picking up a hat. So I can Great. rock that on the show here. And uh, I like I'm it. rocking my brother-in-law's hat right now. He's got a, uh, he builds trucks and does some amazing Great. things with square bodies and just really good. So I'm rocking his hat right now. So I'll have to get some Yukon River swag. Um, no question. Yeah. Okay. So let's, uh, again, kind of turn the corner. Talk about hunting season. How'd it go for you? It looks like just from the pictures. And I also want to hear about your son that really loves to hunt because we talked a little bit about him last time. And yeah. uh, just tell us how things went this year. It looks like you got a couple trips and what was uh, some of the highlights? Yeah. So we had an opportunity this past year to go to um, uh, Shepherd, Michigan, downstate, starting back in August, um, and to be uh, participate in a doe management hunt, um, which ended up being like, white-tailed deer hunting meeting arcades um it was all the deer come out in the field and i have a rifle and i'm just sitting there just picking off deer oh, uh, which got our uh, we'd take all of that quarter it together uh cube it can it and uh create our warehouse you know our storehouse for the year out of the wild game and fish and stuff that we catch and so um we started then and then my daughter addy uh went with me she's uh 16 and she killed her first buck this oh, year um, in her youth season. And then, um, I killed a doe with my bow and then I killed a buck in Illinois, a big eight pointer. Um, and then a buck in, uh, two bucks in Michigan, but one on our property toward the end of the season, that was a six and a half year old buck we'd watch for years Good for uh, you. as well. Nice. So some pretty cool, uh, just the different year. We didn't travel a ton other than to Illinois. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we've got a lot of traveling coming up this year. So Cool. And, and I'm wondering why I always thought the further north you went, the bigger the deer got. I went to northern Minnesota a couple of years ago and there was I saw a 300 pound doe that was estimated. I mean, it's just massive. I mean, probably five and a half, you know, six year old deer, just huge. But they're bigger from where you're at to here. They're bigger down here in Illinois than where you're at. Is yeah. that right? You said. Yeah. Our So our area is uh, it's, it's kind of the culture behind Michigan hunting is that, um, you know, every hunter can go in and buy two buck tags. Um, and there's not a lot of restrictions. Like they'll have an APR antler point restriction on a deer. It'll be like three to four points on a side, depending on what County you're in, um, before you're allowed to shoot them. And that's really the only management tool that's there. Um, which if you know anything about white tailed deer, you know, their first year, they can have eight points just mm -hmm. as easy as anywhere else. So, um, a lot of our young deer get killed and it's very rare to have a deer, you know, if a guy shoots a three and a half year old, it's pretty, pretty rare. Mm. That, uh, culture is shifting to where, uh, guys aren't just heading up North and shooting the first thing that moves. Okay. Um, little piece that I haven't decided if it's been helpful or not yet. The, um, DNR is allowing guys to kill those on state land without like a special draw application to get the doe tag. Okay. Um, they can use one of their, their buck tags to, to shoot that doe. Um, which I think helps a little bit, you know, our preference obviously is, uh, if you need a deer for meat, just shoot a doe and mm -hmm. then 
to be particular about shooting the older age um, whitetail bucks, uh, which allows them a chance to grow, but also better habitat wise and, and mm -hmm. uh, conservation wise long term. Yeah. Um, and so that's, uh, but the culture has not been good in Michigan. Some of the southern states with a lot of farm and ag fields, they're, uh, they're seeing some giants coming out of those uh, southern counties. I mean, um, they're seeing some giants come out of there. But um, overall, we, we have generally in the north of northern Michigan, we have pretty small deer that, that are mm. killed. Uh, I think the average uh, whitetail buck that was killed last year was something in the 96, 97 inch range. Oh, really? Um, and so it, like uh, Illinois in the area that we were at, at least the guys that were there, they said the average is somewhere in the 130s, yeah. um, which is just a, you know, overall, like while I was hunting there, I mean, every day I saw a buck that I would happily kill in Michigan Okay, um, gotcha. that I knew was a, a younger age class there and you just let them walk. But mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's kind of the, been the culture that's shifting. Thankfully our property, we, we own 40 acres. Um, we do a lot of, uh, you know, we are goats and ducks and chickens and all the stuff oh, so is, uh, um, uh, we try to provide all those things for ourselves and, and teach the kids how to, and, um, but our property, we've uh, been able to put a lot of food in and we're developing better habitat all the time. We're four years in on that project. And, um, so we're starting to see some deer that are living literally on our property. That's uh, great. Through so It's pretty fun. Yeah. Heck yeah. We had a, a different year this year because my son is nine and we got a crossbow and we've been trying to get him one. And so he, we missed on quite a few this year and we went out and my focus this year was to get him a deer. And so I hunted less for myself. There's limitations. We just had a baby November the 8th. We had our little boy on November the 8th, which is for us, that's right in the middle of the rut. I mean, that's, okay. that's prime hunting here. And so just the season was different. It was just limited. But I still was able to get out and I, I'm still, I'm only five years into bow hunting or four years into bow hunting. And I've still got some major buck fever apparently because I had an opportunity on two really nice four and a half to five and a half year old deer that were just really nice deer. And I just missed, I, I wish I had good excuse. I just panicked and I didn't feel like I was panicking, but afterwards I was like, what in the world just happened? And I just missed. And, and so this year was kind of, I did get it just during gun season. I got, I got a doe, but it was a different year. I didn't get one with my bow, that, bow this year. And it's just, just kind of is what it is. It was a little bit disappointing, but um, you know, lessons learned, you kind of tuck those away and, and just learn some lessons Absolutely. and realize I'm going to practice more <laughs> this next yeah. year and get those of, nerves under control. Yeah. I think one of the things though, that's so important is like your uh, experience with buck fever is um, like, I hope that never goes away, but we learned to, to control and, and adapt to where, um, like I all have a moment on every deer that walks out when I'm at full draw that I literally feel like my mind just goes blank. Like I'm, I'm not settling a pin on a spot on the side of that deer. I, you know, I'm, I'm literally starting to look for the trigger to, uh, punch it as soon as that pin settles in on the, the brown of the deer mm -hmm. and I'll, uh, I have three things written on my bow, deep breath, release, pick a spot. Gotcha. And so my idea is I'm taking a deep breath, just like any rifle hunter. I'm, I'm releasing that breath halfway out and then I'm picking a spot that whole time. And when I get myself to like re-engage my brain <laughs> and uh, get over the buck fever, then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, now I'm in control. And I settle that pin 
uh, touch the trigger off. And then, you know, buck fever obviously happens then, you know, the whole yeah. body shakes and the adrenaline rush <laughs> and all those things. So, so that never goes uh, away. Huh? No, I've, I, and I don't say this, um, I, I pray no arrogance or boastfulness comes through in this, but I killed my 85th deer with a bow this year. Nice. And my brain did the same thing that it did the, the you know, second and third deer with a bow. Wow. Um, so it's, it's, uh, and that's part of why we love it. Yeah. So, heck yeah. So what, what bow did you shoot this year? Uh, so I'm shooting for bear archery the last three years. Oh, you are um, okay. shooting the bear ex execute, okay. uh, 32 okay. is, uh, one of their new flagships. They've, uh, come out with a new bow this year to 2024 called the persist, which I'm mm -hmm. planning to shoot. Um, but the bear archery has kind of gone through a, I mean, it's hard to, hard to describe, like they were the thing back in the Fred bear era mm -hmm, and all the, right. and all the innovations that they had. And then when they got into the compound world that their excellence kind of waned, um, and through the years, like if you heard somebody shooting a bear bow, like my brain would automatically be just like, huh, that's not a good bow. Like you yeah, shouldn't right. probably... the beginner bow. Yep. And, um, yet the very first bow that I ever hunted with as a kid was a bear bow, um, no sights and no peep sight, anything, just, uh, flinging arrows and had some hilarious moments in the woods of aiming at the, uh, uh, kill zone on a white tail and hitting it in the back end, but just mm -hmm. clipping artery, you know, and the deer dies. But, um, but now, uh, over these past four or five years, the innovations in that bear archery world, uh, have gotten to a spot now that they're competing, I think with the top flagship bows. Yeah. Um, this bow is just a touch heavier than what I'm, uh, what some of the other bows are yet. I shoot, uh, How many I'd, pounds? um, Four. I, I would say I'd have to look it up to be specific, mm -hmm. but it's in the upper four pound range probably. Okay. Um, but it, uh, I shoot a heavier bow better personally, mm -hmm. Okay. more stable, um, where I notice that it's heavier is on the, some of the long hikes, okay. um, and uh, spot and stock stuff, but overall it's, uh, it's been phenomenal and I shoot uh, really well with it. We have a, um, hundred yard archery range at our house mm -hmm. and, um, the ability to settle at a hundred yards and, um, be consistent at that range has, uh, uh, like with this bow is totally different than anything I've shot. So that's cool. I shot yeah. a Hoyt carbon matrix this year and yeah. I just picked it up at Craigslist or marketplace or something like that. Yeah. And so it was like a 10 or a 12 or they're 10 through 12 is when that was made. And I liked it, but I have a bear paradox and you know, the hunting public guys have been really, I mean, for, for guys like me over the last four or five years, the hunting public guys have been getting the bear name out there quite a bit. Oh, and yeah man, I'm selling my Hoyt because I like my bear better. And I'm, I've, it was like $400 and it was ready to hunt and yep. it doesn't draw as much. Like I've got it maxed out and I wish it could draw a little bit heavier. Like that was the good thing about the, uh, not that I'm trying to max out anything, but you know, it's, I've got it maxed out and it's only like 65 or it's supposed to go up to 70 pounds, but oh. I'm shooting really good with it. And so I'm, I'm selling that Hoyt and I'm just sticking with this, with this bear. And I got my son, one of my sons, I got a bear bow this for, for Christmas. So I love Sweet. it. And we, we've gone to the, uh, the bear archery museum over in Springfield, Missouri. And if you've, yep. have you ever been to that? 
at Not yet. Uh, Bass Pro. Oh man, it's just it's incredible. So that's awesome. great. I didn't know that you had this. So I guess it's a, a sponsorship, or you just shoot that, or they. Yeah. They so just... we we did a hunt for them uh, with one of their videographers, photographers, a few years back, and. Mm-hmm. South Dakota, and they did a, just all their catalog picks while we were out there. We just would kind of like, uh, if the hunting was slow, we'd stop and they'd take pictures of the bows and us drawn and different terrains and things. And that kind of started a partnership with them. Um, and so they they do, they're phenomenal with their um, ambassadors or pro staff or whatever you want to call it. Um, okay. I get a catalog at the beginning of the year and uh, go through and pick everything I want and they send it to you um, and shoot and rep them for the year. And um, But the nice thing is like, I've done that for other companies, Bowtech before this one. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, you send them thousands of pictures through the year, post about them all the time, but you never hear anything from them. You never see any of your pictures. Nothing's uh-huh. over there. If I post anything to do with bear archery in a story, usually within 24 hours, it's in their story. Oh man, and that's it's cool. Created a really cool uh, partnership. You know, I don't even know technically who's throwing the pictures up on the on the um, story posts or whatever, but it's a, uh, it's a cool way to communicate back and forth. Like, Hey, we're using your stuff. We love it. It's uh, uh, it's been phenomenal. And one thing too, like um, I have mine, my boys, you know, I was just always crank them up 70 pounds, max them out. Yeah. That's, and, yeah. But the last year I was shooting in a indoor league and I'm, you know, drawn multiple times through the night, you know, 40, 50 times a night. And other guys, I'm watching them and they're just like these real slow, relaxed, draw and settle. And so finally I asked one of the guys, he's like, oh, no, I crank mine down to 50 pounds when I'm, when I'm here shooting in the league. It's 20 yard league. Like, who cares? So I was like, oh, that's valid, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I, I just cranked mine down to 60 mm-hmm. and finished the season up. Well, I realized that a lot of the uh, bad habits that I struggled with were because I had that bow cranked at 70 pounds, like I'm, huh. you know, all these finicky things that I'm doing and a little bit of target panic and all that. When I could just really r- roll back, settle in, um, I had more time. I was more consistent. Um, and so I found with the pin gaps that I wanted to have out to hundred yards, I, uh, it's about 64 pounds mm-hmm. is a, a good draw weight. Oh. Um, but like, you know, one of the deer I shot this year, I shot with, a I used a decoy and, and laid in a brush, a little brush pile on a fence row. Um, And so when I drew, it was literally, you know, me drawing like this in a tight space with him right there at eye level. And uh, I, I know for a fact that if it was a 70 pounds that I wouldn't have been able to draw as smooth and behind the bow, you know, using the Mm -hmm. bow. Oh yeah. Right. Um, So that's, you know, the, the reality is, Every year I shot this year, the arrow zipped through and stuck in the ground at 64 pounds, you know, mm-hmm. that's cool. Or to an era where that, uh, the technology is pretty, pretty slick. So, yeah, that's awesome. I and really enjoyed that. Oh, I was going to say the was bear, adapt. Bear, bear adapt. adapt. Yeah. Bear adapt. Yeah. That, uh, the hunting public are using that thing's like four, 450 bucks. Um, yeah. Comes loaded, ready to rock. So, uh, guys new getting into archery, like you, you cannot go wrong with the uh, piece of equipment that they're utilizing in some of the most brutal trains and circumstances and mm-hmm. killing stuff. Um, so, you know, th- the idea that I got to have a 12, $1,300 bow before I even start with accessories is, is yeah, right. Nice. Yeah, it is nuts. And even like, I was looking at the, uh, like the feet per second and everything like that, the, like the specs on the bare bows that are even just the ready to hunt bows. Like there's the legit, there's the, the, that came out a few years ago. Um, the paradox was what Aaron from hunting public shot. And I picked that up, but I mean, it, they're, they're, Specs on are like shooting like 327 
I mean, I know you're you're not actually shooting that when you're when you're drawn, but I mean that's that's what the specs are. Yeah, I mean that's that's great. And I mean for me, I love it. I love the feel of my bow and everything. So we'll have to tag them in this. We'll tag this and I'll I'll make sure that uh Yukon River Dives and Bear bows are in the in the comments there. So shout out to you, oh, Bear. Yeah, it's good. Um okay, so let's uh, I want to hear about your son's season and then we'll wrap things up. Yeah, so Hudson, um my oldest son, Kenton, is a pre-med student at Cornerstone University. And so his hunting and fishing is super limited. But uh, Hudson actually this year um, started guiding. He trains dogs. And so he's trained oh, wow. uh, in Dakota um, for Upland Game. And he started guiding for a group called Thundering Aspens this year. And so um, they're a pheasant preserve, but not like a put-in-place pheasant preserve. It's in my opinion, like I've hunted wild birds that were easier to kill than sometimes the, what, what if that preserve, but he uses uh, his pup and then he guides for grouse and woodcock in uh, the, um, uh, just all of our Northern state land that we have around us. You know, we've got a lot of grouse and woodcock in that area. So um, that was his focus and a lot of uh, waterfall hunting this year. Um, so we, I, I don't know exactly how many ducks or grouse or woodcock that we killed, um, but a, just an incredibly successful year with those. Um, but there's something really special. Like I obviously have trained my boys in the outdoors and we, we uh, value that time and the lessons that we're, we learn together, not just outdoor lessons, but uh, lessons of, of things that God is teaching us and the ability for us to even consume this creation that he's created and given us dominion over. Mm-hmm. So I'm teaching them and I'm, we're learning ethics and we're learning all these different things. But there was this special moment this year where um, Hudson's dog scenario. Hey, hold and, up. And um, back up one his- second. You cut yep. out on me. It's saying my connection's unstable. Go back okay. to uh, Hudson's dog. And then we'll pick it yeah. up there. Okay. So Hudson's dog is pointing this grouse and Hudson's in complete control of the scenario. He's saying, he's telling the dog to whoa and we're creeping up on it. And when he then says, okay, his dog flushes. And so Dakota jumps in, this grouse flushes. I shoot the grouse. And um, then the dog runs, re- retrieves the grouse, brings it back to us and brings it to hand. There was like a a little bit of a passing of the torch. Like, okay, I had nothing to do with training his dog. Mm-hmm. I, that was completely on him and he's put those extra hours in. Um, but it was like, okay, he's got a piece of proficiency in this outdoor game that I don't have anymore that he Man, possesses. Cool. And it, uh, it, it made it really fun the rest of the year. You know, there were a couple of moments where I'm like, bro, I don't need you to guide me. Just let's go, let's go hunt. Uh, let's follow your dog. It's sweet. But, uh, um that's a a sweet moment he's 19 and uh just seeing him really fall in love and he's he traps a ton of we've done a lot with the um uh beaver and wood wood uh woodcock uh muskrat this year and uh he just got back from a coyote predator hunt up in the up and killed red fox and a couple coyotes so um it's uh it's always something always going in our household that's so cool and what a great way to just have father-son moments and, and discipleship to happen in real life. And the outdoors is just a great thing. I know a lot of folks like love sports, and it's really a both-and thing. I mean, you can enjoy sports and 
and be outdoors as well. And there's, you know, lessons that, you know, are, are transferable, but there are some unique things about life and death, even, even though it's the animal world about dominion and, and taking our responsibility to provide, to, to provide that are unique to the outdoor world that are, are pretty incredible. And so I love seeing that with you and your sons and, and hearing those stories. It's just pretty cool. It's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks so much again for the time. And for those that are interested in maybe following you on Instagram or reaching out to you about Yukon River Dives or anything else like that, where can we find out more information? And I'll make sure and link that in. Yeah. So Hunting the Harvest is the Instagram handle. Um, and then uh, YukonRiverKnives.com. They can order there. Uh, if they have any questions, the Yukon River email that's listed there goes directly to myself uh, happy to chat with guys. And then, uh, if anybody wants a, a shout out or just even talk about what, what's going on with the knives. Um, you know, I, I think that the, that knife is one of the, the best knives in its, um, class that's made, um, like our hunter, the hunter knife that we use this year. Um, I quartered skinned and butchered 11 deer with it just this year. And, you know, there's no sign of wear on that knife. Um, I've got Gerber knives that would never have held up to those, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so it's, it's a fun piece. Like it's not just, Hey, this is a ministry that you get an opportunity to help us support. It's a, Hey, here's a ministry you get to help us support. You get a knife. That's an heirloom quality knife to pass down to your kids. Um, it's a, uh, it's a sweet piece. So we're pumped to be a part of it and look forward to seeing God use that even in, uh, in the years to come. Heck yeah. That steel is like C5, CV5, something like that. Is that really nice? Yep steel yeah. that, that just lasts and it keeps a good edge and it's just really nice and i love i've got the small game knife and i've got the hunter hope you guys find the new a new leather sheath maker as well though because that leather sheath is pretty sick um yeah we actually uh i've got uh, a meeting tomorrow with a guy okay. that's going to be uh seeing how he can pull that off for us so very cool all right guys we've been talking to adam ray adam appreciate it man yeah thank you so much good to see you again man Thanks again for listening to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. For more information, you can go to theshepherdscrook.co. Please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes. And if you want to become a member of the Shepherd's Crook, please message me and we'll get you on the list. We hope you have a great rest of your day.